Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So Pete Menifee, yay! This is number <laughs> seven hundred and fifty of our of our interview series. <laughs> oh just my not, god! I think we've done maybe three with just you, and then you've been on the panel like for the hundredth episode, and then uh, you were on one we talked about Miss Bluebell, and I had you and Christopher Nunez that that knew Miss Bluebell, or he knew from his research. You knew from actually, yeah, working with her and getting to know her, eating pizza. Eat, eat in the back pizza of, with her. That's, yeah. that's my favorite, favorite. Like, I think I want pizza. And, <laughs> and so every time she was, I, she was great. I, I didn't expect that, you know, because uh, the two weeks that we were dining together, because I had a car at my disposal, uh, we ate at not really fancy restaurants, but really beautiful ones all over. You know, I knew some places she didn't know which was fun. Yeah. But um, the last night when I said it, you know, it's, it's your choice. What do you want? <laughs> and she told me pizza. I almost passed out on the floor. <laughs> I thought, oh my God. And we were hysterical. You know, I had a, 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 a jacket. I, I wasn't wearing a tie, but I did have a blazer on. And she had a beautiful Chanel suit and Chanel shoes. And eating pizza. We're the- sitting, sitting in one of those pizza joints on the Champs Elysees, <laughs> dressed to the nines. It was hysterical. It was a great. That. It was a great last meal. It, yeah, and I think it just showed like that she had a sense of humor, or because I think she, when she was doing business, she was very businesslike and proper. But then talking to people that had tea with her, they got to see a different side. But oh, I don't yeah. know anybody else who had pizza in a car with her. So I think yeah. you you win for familiarity. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. And we had to reschedule because you had this the weather has been insane everywhere. So I think oh. I've had things delayed because of heat waves. And but to say we had to postpone because of snow in Beverly Hills. Well, you're not Beverly Hills, you're <laughs> Hollywood. And to I see know, pictures of I snow know. in a tree. Can you tell like just that's not that common? I mean, do you even get windstorms like that? Is that unusual? Uh no, we occasionally get wind, but not. Not enough to knock a, a, a 40 foot tree down in my backyard. It, it missed the house by uh, about seven inches. You I know, was a I picture by your some... pool. It's the tip of it would have hit your house if it was any closer, right? It fell down. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, it, it went right between the pool and the, uh, and the house. And it, uh, it landed on one of my sofas in back. And uh, it was it was one I had made, God, back in the 70s. Uh, uh, and it's iron. We had an ironmonger next to Elizabeth Courtney costumes. And I had them make all my patio furniture at that point. And, uh, you know, if it had been anything, if it had been wood, I think the tree would have smashed it. But it's it's in perfect shape. Wow. Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the nice <laughs> things. I lost several expensive, uh, very large pots. One that well, I've been, here, been one that hadn't even been planted yet. Oh, really? I was so pissed. Yeah. 
because I've been in your yard, like Athena and I, when we did the road trip, got to have lunch right. in your backyard and it's so beautiful. And it's look, you can tell there's a lot of time and delight maybe in how you created oh, that. Yeah. Like it looks natural, but definitely no, a, it's intentional. All, it's all, it's all done. And I did, I did everything but the pool and the large tree. Uh, I, I laid the brick. I, I did all the planting. I do all the gardening. Yeah. And, uh, and I love it. My parents taught me to garden uh, uh, when I was four. I had really? my own little plot. I had an eight by four plot and I could plant anything I wanted in it. And they taught me how to side dress fertilizer and double dig and, you know, all, all the stuff. And, and it was all organic gardening. My folks were years ahead of other people, years wow. ahead. That probably it fostered some of your creativity to be given like a frame to do it in, but the freedom to do what you want. Like that's a, I think a lot of parents like, no, we've got our way of doing it. We don't want the child like. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. They, uh, they, they, I was always given a, a, a lot of freedom and, uh, and I drew from the time I was three. In fact, I, uh, we used to have a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. And uh, my mom was starting to teach me to read when I was three. So, and they were on the lower two shelves of our library. And I remember picking the first one up, A, and uh, looking at it. And I thought, oh my God, there are blank pages in front and there are blank pages in back. These need some illustration. So I took my crayons and my pencils and stuff. And every day I would pull a new Encyclopedia Britannica out. I did it in alphabetical order. And I got to G before they found out what I was doing. And I wasn't punished for it. Uh, my dad started bringing paper home. So I'd have stuff to draw on. I, and the only thing that I really feel badly about is I would love, I would love to still have the Encyclopedia Britannica to see what, to see how good I was at three. <laughs> yeah, well, just what's budding in your mind is this creative. Yeah, because you you need good soil to plant an artist, but you know people do make beautiful things out of diversity or hardship, but also to have it nurtured and that's amazing. Yeah, it was a I it was a real gift. Uh, my my folks were great. And, uh, and, and gardening and, and drawing, um, uh, and reading, uh, were, were all gifts that, that they gave, gave to me and made sure I was good at, uh, way before school. Oh yeah. So, before you start getting too linear. Um, I have a well, question about books because I, there's a book I've been trying to find every time I go into an antique bookstore or yeah. any kind of an antique store. I'm looking for this book. It was Pinocchio and it was very big and the illustrations were so beautiful. And there was one of the blue fairy that I would just stare at that picture. I don't know how long I was like obsessed with the beauty of, mm -hmm. of her and the way that her dress was. And I, I remember that was always my book I would go to. I think the binding was broken. I don't know if it got thrown out, but I am wow. on a search for that because I think of how it impacted me very young. Was there anything that you were looking at that, did that to you, like how either it was oh, color yeah. or or yeah, faces I or a, I had a a a first 
uh, a first edition. I think I think my uh, either my uncle or my grandparents gave it to me of uh, a, a Kate Wien- Greenaway a version of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, and it it influenced the way I garden. I try to copy the way the trees were in it, still to this day. And when I was uh, uh, five, my dad was transferred to Oahu. So uh, my, my dad, my mom and me moved to Oahu and all, all of my toys and all of my books were given to an orphanage in San Diego. So I don't have anything from that early, early period. And, and I wish I did. I wish I had, you know, some drawings or, you know, to, to see what I was like, because I had no idea. I was just, I was just cranking it out and having fun. And, I wonder uh, if somebody has those encyclopedias and they don't know that they've got a Pete Menifee <laughs> like <laughs> artwork in the front and back. I love that because I, I think that if you could take the encyclopedia and like this needs some beauty, it just uh, speaks to a creative person that um, there's there's room for beauty even at the blank pages of the encyclopedia. Yeah, I was so excited, and I, uh, I I'm the same way. It's interesting that you bring the gardening and the drawing up because one of the things that I think is one of the most exciting things in the world is to have a blank bed that just has dirt in it. You, you can just uh, imagine anything you want and, and you can make it, you can make it happen. But that blank, the blank paper or the, the, the blank dirt is, uh, it is like dope to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm always so excited about it. And, and I, I can think of a hundred things that I want to do. It's just a, a matter of, uh, of, of, of narrowing it down to something that, you know, you think you'll really like or you'll really be able to live with. Or the people you're working for will like and, uh, and appreciate, you know. Somebody oh. asked me one time uh, that they were they were interested in cr- how creativity works, and I'm I'm not sure how it works, but man, I don't run out of ideas. I never did. I was never stuck. In yeah. fact, the thing that I loved to do always was uh, approach something in a different way. If I'd done it before, like when I did the ship shows. I mean, I must have done Greece or a version of Greece 30 times. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one of the last times I did it, all, all of the punkers had fluorescent hair <laughs> and, and fluorescent clothes and black leather jackets. You know, you don't want to go back to, well, you know, you can do it pink and gray and black and white, you know. And it'll look fifties, and it'll be it'll be fine. But I don't I don't like to approach work like that. I always think it's mm-hmm. exciting to uh, try to find a new hook for it. Wow, that says a lot. That says and a lot. I, 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 just, I don't know why it is, but I just never run out of ideas. I think I think part of it is because I've seen a lot, so I yeah. I have I have a a file in my head someplace that says you know no 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 you did that before 
let's let's uh, figure out new. something else. Yeah, because it seemed like and you could just rest on what you've done because you've done quality. Like, well, that would be the easier way to go. But that you still have ideas in there, which means you have to just keep living because I'm I'm 63 oh, yeah. until teaching. I'm like, there's still too many songs. I have so much choreography I've yet to do. When I thought yeah. a few years ago yeah. I might retire, I'm like, well, now I love this song and I have to have one more reason to yeah. put it on bodies. And so and I have an idea for it. Yeah. yeah. I, I get people that want to teach how to make it, how to make the music visual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. I have teachers that want to teach at the studio and they'll they have their one choreography piece or basically just a combo for class that they're all excited for. And then they teach. They are, I usually have them sub. I want to make sure they have a lot of experience teaching, but then they're always like, oh, I have to do another one. I'm like, oh yeah, you do this every week. It's not like you have that one idea. That you're, oh you my have God. to be always, no, I think I... they were just stunned that no, well, you do this every week. You're always putting out new material. You're always doing new things. And I think some people are like, oh, I can choreograph or I can design or I could do that. And they have one, like, no, this is, this is just the baby step that goes into like yeah. many, many, many more that opens up more ideas. And, and teaching uh, uh, at, at a dance academy, it is, you know, you, you have to, you have to vary. You have to, uh, you have to give the kids, uh, you know, different, different forms of dance and, and different ways of moving. Uh, they need to build a vocabulary. Absolutely. You, know, you can't, uh, you can't just, even, even if you're just dancing for the joy of it and for the fun uh you you need to you need to stretch out and and learn new stuff yeah. and be and be exposed to new stuff you know it's yeah. really important when you're teaching kids because otherwise they get to be like little robots yeah and if you start teaching before you've had much opportunity to see enough things i think a lot yeah. of teachers get brought up in really soon and then they don't go out and explore and see other things and they kind of already there's not as much growth when you start teaching so soon right well you know i i don't know if i should even be saying this you know on a on a show that's about dancers but when i was a professional dancer the gypsies used to have kind of a nasty saying that if if, if you can't dance you teach yep <laughs> <laughs> And, and then it, I also it, learned there are great dancers that are terrible teachers. And so we kind of flipped that oh, that's around. That's like, interesting. I'd never thought of that. There's a lot of people that are great dancers and they don't know how to break things down. They don't understand how the body works. They don't un know how to bring things out of people. So yeah. I think that people have kind of reclaimed that because a lot of people are like, well, I've danced professionally. I'm like, I need to know. Or they all want to teach advanced and have people imitate them. Like break down a yeah, polygraph yeah. or teach a beginning class. And then you'll impress me if you know how to actually like teach it, not just say, follow me. Yes. So I have a question as far as how, you know, like, I love that you were doing that so young and your sketches are people. And so if you were drawn towards nature, but like when, like drawing faces, I'm just thinking like observant people that notice, you know, a lot in faces, like what, when did, did you want to do faces and, and bodies or was that because of fashion or how did that come into? No, like no, your... no. I, that, I always drew like that. I drew yeah. animals. I, I love faces. If, if you've looked at a lot of my uh, sketches that I've I've uh, uh, put on Facebook, a lot of the a lot of the people are characters. They're not. That's what I noticed. That's people. what I was going. Yeah. You know, they're they're uh, uh, if if they're supposed to be kind of mean, if they're a bad guy, 
you know, I draw it that way. Uh, if, if it's, uh, you know, a stupid person, I try to get that on paper. You know? That's why I ask because your your stuff is very unique with the way you do faces, and that's why I'm wondering. Like as a you know as a choreographer dancer, I can see my progress of what influenced me. But as an artist, and also just listening to you as a young, imagining you as a child, like <laughs> what what intrigued this? Like we're you know drawn to certain things, and when you just start drawing on your own, yeah, I'm well just curious know, of the one, process. One of the things that I was I was really in into were Walt Disney movies. I thought they were so beautiful. And, and I, you know, I'd go see uh, Pinocchio or, or Cinderella or Peter Pan. And I'd come home and I'd draw it and draw it and draw it, all the characters. I'd make a little toy theater. And then I'd cut my characters out and play with them on the toy theater. And, you know, uh, about 32 years later, I was doing it at Disney Studios. I was designing for them, you know. So I was I was dress rehearsing <laughs> my entire life. Wow. Yeah, it's it's so it's so weird how many things have have turned up to be circular in my life, like drawing. I you know, I I could always draw, but and I always had a good time doing it. Um, but I, I never, I never realized that I could make a living doing it. And, and, uh, a friend of mine who's a, a designer for the Crofts, uh, Tony Urbano was at my apartment one day and he looked at some pen. I was working in split pen and wash like Renaissance drawings. And, uh, Tony said, God, he said, those are beautiful. Did you do those? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, uh, you should work as a sketch artist. Well, I'd already been in the business for 12 years as a dancer at that point. I had no idea what a sketch artist was. I thought, mm -hmm. all, I thought all designers drew their own stuff. Uh, uh, you know, because when I was a dancer, I worked, I was dressed by Bob Mackey and Ray Aguillon. And I knew Bob Drew, and I just figured everybody did. And uh, Tony got me a job that weekend uh, drawing for the Crofts for $500. And I thought, wow, you know, that's what I was paid to dance on the rooftops in Mary Poppins. Yeah. And I had to give him <laughs> five days a week, not two. And uh, uh, so he got me started. He got me started doing that Where because at that point like, I was, I was really trying to stop dancing. You were. Yeah. That's like when they're like, what do, what do I do after the Crofts? I reckon I can see the name. Weren't they like late 60s, 70s, like variety shows? What no, were they well, a part they, of? They didn't do variety shows. They did kids shows. Uh, H H R Puffins. Okay. That's like, I know I recognize and the Crofts. Bugaloos and you know, yeah. stuff like that. So you were sketching that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Wow, HR, my, my first, stuff. My first job was drawing the mamas and the papas as fish. Oh. <laughs> Puppets. Really? And, yeah, that was like. the first thing they gave me, and it was and it was so so wild because Tony showed me how Disney people. He taught me to paint with gouache, 
and he he showed me how Disney people outlined uh, parts of the costume in in different colors to give it an edge and make it pop so it doesn't look flat. And right away, I I was saying, no, 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 no. They've got to be ocean colors. And then you have to use something like lavender on the green. I was already pushy. <laughs> and it was really? my first day on the job. Had you, you done know. art training or this was just your own understanding? Had no, you been, no. This was your went, own. No, I went to... Uh, uh, I went to parochial school and, you know, we had whatever art you do as kids. Although this is another circular thing. In fourth grade in parochial school, uh, I became an altar boy. I learned I learned the mass in Latin. And and for one of my projects, school projects, I, I designed uh, a nativity. I designed the crash and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and shepherds and stuff well what do you think i ended up doing at radio city music hall oh that's right the, the living nativity <laughs> yeah and i did it on bing crosby's tv specials and i did it up for perry como so again it's almost you know when i was in fourth Circle. grade it's almost like i was getting ready to work yeah you know and something that's so fun and creative yeah, so now, it, re it really is. But it, it's been so circular in my life. You know, things that I was interested in as a child uh, became things I did for a living. And that you still have more in your head. That's what's so great, because some people just the, the fire goes out or like, OK, I've done everything. Um, I can't imagine that. I can't uh, imagine. You can always your mind is your your best tool. And, yeah. and you, you can always uh, think of something, you know, mm. that, uh, that you, you can work on. And, and, and I must say now, now, now that I've been retired for almost 11 years, that's why the garden looks so good. <laughs> yeah. Because I put all my energy into that. Yeah. Because I know the beginning of COVID when I was trying to keep the studio going, when we were closed uh, for months and five and I was I had I mean I don't know people all know that are at my studio know that I was actually in process of trying to sell it and it just never happened because oh if I was only doing administration you know just trying to keep it going and I hadn't paid yep. myself for a year and a half I was like done and it was because I didn't have a way to use my creativity I was have, putting on like virtual cabaret so that kept me going but uh -huh. when I when we started back and I was putting my Parisian cabaret together I'm like oh I'm not done I'm so not done. And I realized uh, it's yeah. not just fun. It's like yeah. life giving. It's yeah. I need like that need to create. And so I had to call you. I was trying to make something with feathers. Like how do you wash white feathers? And you gave me. Oh, feathers. yeah. But my house yeah. is full of feathers. And I was like having fun finding music and having a storyboard. And it just yeah. it's amazing because I think I was always thinking by 60 something you wind down and you're supposed to play golf or something. And I just went, no. Oh, I'm not done. I feel more creative, but if I don't have an outlet, that's what I think with gardening, there's other things that you can do. If you're a creative person, I think you have to keep that nurtured for your sanity and for your soul to keep yeah. that. It's a, you're that kind of person for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the great thing about gardening, or I think the great thing about gardening is you're never done with it. There's always stuff to do. I mean, I walk out in the morning and, and look at, at, at the yard 
and think, oh my God, you know, I've got to get on top of the hedge, you know, and, and, and start trimming it before all the, the new growth gets so heavy that it's hard to cut, you know? So there's, mm. there's, you know, and, and things die and need to be replaced. And, you know, it, it's just, I think it's terrific. I, I look, it's a I living look thing going out there every single morning. Wow. And oh. sometimes I can spend the whole day out there. Somebody you know, just, was saying I, to being a COVID. Yeah. It was just like when you planted things in COVID started, people started gardens. It's almost an act of defiance and hope at the same time. Like it might feel like things are ending, but like to make something beautiful, that's going to live. And you have the circle of life and death and you're part of the reality of creation. Yeah. I think it's like, it was a really good reminder. Like we might not be doing those tasks that we were doing that felt creative, but to have your hands on the earth and plant something that you're going to see, hopefully grow. You don't even know that. So there's a whole bunch of hope that gets put in there too. It's out of your control in some way. That's a lovely, (laughs) a lovely way to think about it. The, the, the approach that I took during COVID was I was out in the fresh air. I was not around crowds at all. And I was doing what I like to do. So it was not a big deal for me. Yeah. I mean, I missed, I missed uh, seeing friends and, but occasionally uh, I'd have friends over to the house for dinner and we'd be careful. We'd stay kind of away from each other. And, uh, uh, and uh, we always made sure that we were all healthy before we got together, you know, that yeah. nobody was sniffling or, or uh, felt run down. But uh, but the 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 garden was a lifesaver for me hmm. because uh, I I don't if if I hadn't done that every day uh, for almost two years uh, I I have I've no idea what I do I guess just sit and watch TV or read a book or something yeah you know? I know people that have apartments and not that option because I know sitting uh, in your yard it felt like a yeah, gift yeah the, felt, the view that I you felt, have. And to know that, that you had, it wasn't, you just put your house in the middle of the forest, which would have been lovely, but it was to see like how beautifully everything was arranged. And like, I was just noticing like, well, this part of the yard looks this way. And this part, like, I just think there's a gift of having people over in a, in a beautiful place too. Uh, like it's, 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 you know, it's for you, but also when people come over, it's like, you're, you're offering some kind of a, a beautiful gift to sit uh, and enjoy it. That's nice. Um, uh, I, you know, I just love it so much. And, and it's really because of my parents, you know, because I learned, I learned, really learned how to do it when I was little and, yeah. uh, and, and, and was taught how much enjoyment you could get out of it. And when we lived in Hawaii, it was uh, shortly after the war and uh, we grew, we were way, way out in the sticks Uh uh, uh, my dad was the doctor at the Marine Corps rifle range uh, on Punahou. And uh, uh, we were, there were only about six houses around us and we were right on the beach. It was great. But uh, huh. uh, we grew our own vegetables and one of the other houses had chickens. Another house had rabbits and uh, you know, because, you know, you, there was a lot of stuff you couldn't get uh, 
on the islands that that we like to eat and uh, and so we grew it mm. and and the families all pitched in you know we'd get chicken from from some people and we'd give them whatever they wanted from the yard and uh, it was terrific it was terrific very self-sustaining it was a yeah. it was a good learning experience for me mm. and and off and on i i don't I haven't done it for like four years, but I have I have grown vegetables here, and uh, and stuff that I like, like artichokes. I love artichokes, and uh, and they're messy plants. They Are they kind spiky, of huh? Are they yeah. spiky? Okay, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, the worst thing about them, because oh, we had them in San Diego when I was a teenager, is they uh, attract flies. And so you don't want them too close to your patio. You oh, want man. them on the back on the back of the garden. But, I'm imagining a fresh artichoke tastes very different than what you get in the store. You no, know, it's pretty much the same. Is it pretty okay? Yeah, it's hmm. just you know, they the the plant itself looks very attractive. It's kind of silver gray, and it's a a big spray. It's one it's one of the showgirls of the garden. <laughs> I love and, when people uh, tag you and things like if it's a fancy bird or a fancy plant or something, they'll tag you because like this oh, looks they, like a showgirl. Yeah. It always makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> we see showgirls but, in everything now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I've but I've I've always kind of been like that. I remember uh uh d- designing uh I remember doing a, a patchwork skirt for Florence Henderson. And I, I, I couldn't, I, I wanted it really to be pretty. It was all going to be beaded and stuff. And, and I did it, I did it, all the colors of anemones, you know, lavenders oh. and purples and stuff and, uh, and blues. And it was, it was really beautiful, but it was based on the colors of a certain plant. I, I do that. Mm. Not often, but sometimes. I love messing with color. I really do. That was one of the joys of designing. You know, because growing up. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. If it can be anything you like, then it can be any color you like. Yeah. Did you have like paints and sharp? Like, did you have lots of things to play in while you were growing up to try? Like what? You know, like I know my daughter did art, like how oils and watercolors are very different. And yeah. I never called myself an artist, but I loved watching, like you said, like a blank page, what you can do with it. And just to yeah. watch like a well, lot of them get it, tossed in the garbage and frustration or like I can make this still work. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting to work in in different medium. Uh, uh, I as when I designed, I worked almost always in gouache, uh, the technique that Tony had taught me, because with gouache, you could use it like poster paint. You can lay it flat if you want a, just a color. Or if you're like, if you're drawing chiffon or, or something uh, a tr- semi-transparent, you can use it like a watercolor. You can just put a lot of water in it and work real fast. And, uh, uh, and it, it looks translucent. It, it's, an, it's an easy, uh, 
gouache is easy to work with. I, I've tried watercolor many, many times, and I'm I'm just not good at it. I'm not patient enough. I want it. I want it to happen the minute I put it on paper. I I don't want to. I don't want to have to wet the paper and stretch the paper and you know do all the, the stuff that you have to do with watercolor. I'm too impatient for that. Mm-hmm. And when I was and I've worked with oils a little bit. I I like that, but it's very messy. It's oils are really, really messy to work with. And when I was a little kid, my the the best gift I could have thought of in the entire world was the big box of Crayolas. The great yes. big one that had like <laughs> the big you know, box. 40, 48 colors. I remember it had flesh in it. Mm-hmm. And, and the I sharpener thinking, in the back. Well, there there should be there should be different fleshes. You, you picked know, up on that earlier. We're all we're all different colors. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's a skin I, I tone. Those, I'm like, who's skin tone? I thought those Crayolas were just the hottest thing in the world. I love them. I wish we were neighbors back then because my dad was a machinist and his shop was right next to a paper factory. So sometimes oh my when my God. mom was working, he would sit and leave, he would give me an orange soda and then I'd eat a box of sugar cubes, which he shouldn't do, but it was next to the coffee. And I would have paper and a few things and just go through paper like crazy. But he yeah. would just bring us home. He'd either bring a big box or colored paper or reams. And I would just draw the same seven things over and over where my kids are extremely talented artists. But I I wish I could have given you the paper that I was, because oh, it was like, it I was such I a great thing. To have, I know, because it was just, it never ran out. It would just be this huge thing. And then I remember wow. he got, somehow he had a supply of blacklight posters that was at the same place. I think they were making him. Oh, so I had a blacklight, you know, the psychedelic, black light poster so i had those in my room <laughs> yeah like, i would use paper to cover things like you know it wasn't really working but i just had this great supply and not the talent to go with it but it would be like pete can i go back in time and give you uh stacks and stacks of paper like for a dancer like for me i was choreographing in my tiny little bedroom and knocking furniture over like but to have space <laughs> you know like what would yeah. be that you know those things you get like that are just so sacred when you're a budding artist of, of, you know, you work with what you have, but I have a question about bodies too, because being a dancer, because I love how you, you sketch bodies, Mm -hmm. but even how they stand, like how a showgirl stands, or if you've got something jazzy, I love the things that you do that your sketches of um, even from the circus number, like how you draw bodies. I'm just also wondering of your process of knowing more as a dancer, how bodies move, but, yeah. And was that different than faces too, of how you develop your, your skills of drawing bodies? Well, you just, you know, you, you learn by doing it. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. It, I'm just so enthusiastic about it and it's easy for me. So I love, I love to play around with it. I really do. And, and also when you work, uh, as I did, I was staff sketch artist at NBC for about six months. That was one of my first jobs. And when when you draw like that, uh, it, it's not like designing one of Don's shows. You know, you 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 get people who are all sizes. You get an Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, you get a Phyllis Diller. You you get. Uh, mm. Uh, you know, all, all different types of people, you know, a petite and, and, and tall Tommy tune, you know, 
and 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 the deal is and i think this is where a lot of sketch artists fail is you you have to learn how to draw someone who's heavy and still make them look attractive and part of that is dressing mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but but you have to draw specifically. You can't you can't uh, you can't get Ella Fitzgerald and draw a, a lady with a you know twenty four waist. You know because my fear always is they're going to be in the fitting room and they'll put the dress on and they'll look at the sketch and of course the sketch will look fabulous and they'll look fat. You know. It's it's so you you have to you have to learn how to do that. And a lot of a lot of sketch artists, really a lot of sketch artists can't draw men and women. They can only draw women or 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 they draw uh, some of them who are fabulous, like Pauline uh, Annan could draw men that would it it makes you cry. They're the most beautiful watercolors. But her women always look kind of tough you know they're they're not pretty and and pretty's always been pretty important to me uh but uh it it's interesting that some people can only really do one sex well that's fascinating uh, i i think that's very limiting yeah I'm, I'm, you glad me think of something. I'm glad that's not one of my problems. No, you've because I love that when you've got, I, I love when you do some of the 60s, like the guys in the bell bottoms and some of that, like that fashion from the 60s. And I love seeing how the guys were dressed because it was almost as fancy as the women. Like there was a period yeah. of time where men were not just in suits. Like the, the clothing right, must have been really right. fun in the 60s, 70s yeah. for the mesh yeah. shirts and the bell bottoms and the platform shoes and the fun hats. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, it's funny. I've always been uh, kind of a button down collar Oxford shirt guy. And uh, even even during the 60s. But at one point, I remember everyone was in bells. And I thought, those look so great. And I got myself a pair of, of jeans that were bell bottom. <laughs> and then I saw a picture of me in them. I have very short legs and a long torso. I look like somebody had taken a giant hammer and knocked me about half a foot into the ground. <laughs> I look like shit in them. <laughs> Those and, definitely are long-legged. There's somebody posted a picture of them because there was a bell-bottom jeans that were way past your shoes. And then it was like, there's this water line. Like we all would wear those and our pants were always soaked on the bottom because you'd wear them so right, long. Right, yeah. I was like, those weren't very practical because the water would seep up higher as the day went on. Yeah. Well, also, a lot of people during that period uh, wore platform shoes with bells. That makes your legs look even longer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should and just wear I, bell bottoms and a giant tall hat. Maybe that would have balanced. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I think I the think proportions would have been even look, more off. I think it would make me look even shorter. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that's... Uh, you know, that's one of the things. I'm, I'm not that short. I'm five, five, eight and a half, which I think is the national average. Mm-hmm. And I used to lie when I was a dancer and tell everybody I was five, ten and a half. And uh, fortunately, nobody ever really measured me. And uh, but when I when I worked on shows, 
you know, all of all of you in the show <laughs> are so tall. And uh, I, in fact, I remember uh, in, when I was working on Jubilee, uh, Ray fitting uh, uh, Janet Ford and and she was standing with her arms out. He was fitting one of Bob's costumes on her and he was smoking and he walked under he walked under her left arm and looked at the back of the costume and then he walked under her, her right arm without bending down oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and i was we were having coffee and i was i started laughing and ray said what are you laughing about i said have you ever seen that dog act that they always had on Ed Sullivan, where the dog ran through people's legs and stuff. <laughs> I said, do you realize that you just walked under Janet's arm twice without bending? Oh my gosh. You know, that's how tall you guys are. It, it all, every time I, I went to fit, every single time we'd put a new number in or something, I'd go up there and, and fit, fit the kids. I was always astonished. I, I, I've, I, I don't feel small, but you know, you know, you're around Georgie or Janet or all of those or Belinda. I mean, Belinda's six feet in, in her, in her stocking feet. Yeah. And then you put, you know, three inch heels on, on one of those ladies and then you put a hat on her. Jeez, you know, forget it's it. Empire State Building. <laughs> it's well, it's like my it's like my forty foot tree that just fell down. <laughs> yeah, I can't get up. Well, you yeah. said something that reminded me of something you told me before about like lying about height. But you said also, I think it was for Miss America that they would tell you the size. Oh you know, no, don't tell me the size you're going to be <laughs> oh, on God, the day of the show. Con beauty contest. Tell me your real size because that doesn't serve them well to say, oh, I'll be this size by then yeah. because then if they're not then they're going to they always they always think they are and and it it's an it's incredible in beauty contests the women will lie to you with their eyes closed you know and, yeah. and i had never heard a woman tell me she was a zero i don't even know what a zero is you i think know, that's a new thing i don't think that i'm was a zero then. or a two uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably just a merchandising thing to make right. people feel better. I'm a but, negative uh, two. You know, I mean, the first year, the first year I did Miss America, uh, I asked, I asked the lady who was the reigning queen. I had to do five outfits for. Her. I said, uh, "What size are you?" And she said, "I'm a perfect eight. And then she reeled off, you know, her sizes. And so, you know, I, I sent her the sketches, she okayed them, and I made them in a size eight. And the, the, the day that I fit her, I had my assistant Lisa with me, and I, I did what I always do. I said, uh, uh, why don't you try this on? I'm gonna step out of the room, and Lisa will help you into the gown. Uh, give me a holler when, when you're decent, okay? So I left the room and I stand outside the door and a couple of minutes go by. And usually if, if nobody calls you in right away, there's an issue. Mm. They either hate the dress or, you know, uh, and, and so I always get nervous about that. And I was standing outside and about five, probably like five minutes went by and I thought, I can't stand this anymore. I said, 
are you guys okay in there? And they said, oh yeah, come on in. So I came in and, and the woman was standing facing me and she had her hands on her, on her waist. And I said, oh, you look wonderful. I mean, she really did. She really looked fabulous. Well, she turned around and it didn't fit by five inches in the back. It wasn't zipped up. Oh. Yeah. All of her mm. clothes were like that and they were all beaded. Oh, you can't just add was, extra. Yeah. Oh. You know, when I'm in Atlantic City, I don't have any beaters there. Uh, you know, and, and we had a week until we did the show. And take so out five I, ribs. I caught well, I I called Hollywood <laughs> and and talked to Ray and and Johnny and everybody at the shop. And I said, you know, I'm 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 in deep, deep trouble here. And uh, uh, we had they had inserts made that they sent to me and then I just whip stitched them in and we reset the uh, zippers. But wow, wow, you know, and and what it was it? it was rampant. I'm a zero. I'm a two. I thought, oh, bullshit. <laughs> you know, it doesn't serve you to lie. I have a, it does I wanted not. to, it, I wanted to play doesn't. a game with you because I wanted to, I was trying to guess of everything you've done because you've been posting. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a category. And if you've not done anything in that, then say no. Okay. Beauty pageants, which ones? Yes. Okay. Which uh, ones I've done? I've done everything I've done. Uh, uh, I, I did Miss universe for 18 years. I did miss America at the same time for nine years. And the, I, I had to ask, I was already doing universe and I had to ask the producer if it was okay, if I did America at the same time. Yeah. And I just told him, I said, you know, all I can tell you is they won't look the same. I promise you that. And, so that's he gave gowns? Me his bless, and he gave me his blessing. He said, well, you know, having them want you too just proves yeah. that we were uh. right hiring you. Uh, so is that did, gowns and like town? What all like their swimsuits, inner swimsuits, swimsuits, the whole thing? Swimsuits. Uh, sometimes the women have 12 changes. Wow. So they you do know, like they a production an, oh, number. That's an, you too. They have an opening costume. Uh, they usually bring their own gowns, but occasionally I've designed the gowns as well. Uh, but the with beauty pageants, I did, uh, I did Miss Universe. Miss USA and Miss Teen USA for 18 years. I did Miss America for nine. I did Most Beautiful Girl in the World, where I designed everything. Uh, I did that for three years, the three years it was on. Uh, I've done Miss World and I've done uh, Mrs. America. No, no, no child pageants right no toddler pageants. no i wouldn't okay I thank wouldn't you touch, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't touch those with oh, no. a stick no so somebody else can make them i think they're disgusting it's disgusting okay yeah. um ice shows okay <laughs> this, is gonna ice be a, show? this is going to be a really long one uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh ice capades ice follies uh champions on ice which featured you to be in the show, you had to have meddled in the Olympics. And I, I did that for like 10 years, I think. Uh, 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 Holiday on Ice in Europe, the European uh, show. Uh, uh, 
uh, all the Willie BTAC on, on, on uh, Royal Caribbean cruise lines. I have 15 ice shows on 13 ships. And I've done, I've done, and I've done one Winter Olympics, which was mostly ice, and uh, uh, and I've uh, and I've done, I mean, I've done every every skater. I know you did you Dorothy could... Hamill. I was obsessed with Dorothy Hamill. Did you do yeah. Peggy Fleming too? Yeah, I did. Oh my In gosh, fact... these are like my the ones I just adored. Wow. Okay, well, remember when Peggy skated in the long gowns? Yes, I did those. And it, oh that happened because I had her first on a Perry Como Christmas show. And I had just seen a Jerome Robbins ballet called Ga Dances at a Gathering. And so had Peggy. And I said, you know, I thought it was so beautiful. And I loved the uh, right below the knee length on the girls' chiffon dresses. I said, do you think you could skate in something like that? And she said, oh, uh, yeah, let's try it. So I I did, you know, usually skaters skated in leotards or or they had little skirts attached to the leotards. And and this one, I did it on pier and it was just one layer of beaded chiffon. And and it was it looked fabulous and she loved it. So then she asked me to do her her uh, her performance outfits. And uh and I just kept making them longer and longer and longer. She called them her nightgowns, but <laughs> they became kind of a signature for her. She's and, so elegant. And, and they really suited her style of skating. Yeah. But I, but gee, uh, I, I, the first skater I ever dressed was Linda Fradiani for the Olympics. And wow. I did all of Linda's cl competition clothes her entire career. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. Okay, variety shows. Oh, oh God. Um, okay, I, I started, my first one was the Hollywood Palace. And I had danced on it for the first five years, off and on with different choreographers uh, and, 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 different, uh, and, and different dancing stars or sometimes singing stars. Uh, and the ninth season, I designed it. Uh, that was... Uh, Hollywood Palace. Uh, the next thing I did was uh, the Pearl Bailey show at ABC. It was a series. Uh, I did a series of specials for uh, Gene Kelly as well. Oh, wow. uh, I've done the Ben Vereen shows. I've done, uh, I did a summer show for, uh, uh, I can't think of her name, country Western singer. Uh, 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 I, I did all the country Western kids when they were popular, Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale and, you know. Oh my gosh. So, uh, and then I did, I, I, I won my first Emmy for the big show, which was a variety show that had uh, two hours every week of, of uh, product. And uh, we did the pilot and it took us two weeks to shoot the pilot and everybody was freaking out. So the producer, Nick Vanoff, who had been my producer at Hollywood Palace, uh, said he was going to double us all. He was going to double the director and double the art director and double me and double the choreographers. Uh, so everybody would have a week to prep it and then a week to do it. 
And I went, I went to Nick and I said, you know, uh, I, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me do it by myself. And I said, if I get in trouble, I'll tell you. And, uh, but I, I think I can handle it. And, uh, and I did, I did every single show, uh, uh, and, and we built everything in five days and shot it. In fact, on, on big show, we used to have our production meeting on Monday. And then Nick would come to me and say, what order can we shoot it in? Because he knew that I had to dress everybody on it. And so Wednesday, we might shoot uh, Linda Fradiani or Peggy Fleming or Dorothy Hamill um, uh, or one, one of the skaters. And then maybe do uh, uh, Shabadoo and, and, and the rock mm. and roll kids. And then Thursday, we'd shoot something else. And Friday, we'd shoot the rest of the show. And Saturday might even be a slopover day if, uh, uh, if, we, uh, uh, if we were behind. But I drew on, I, I, I drew as much as I could. Uh, but a lot of the times I couldn't, I remember we had, uh, we had a, Victor Borgia was going to be on the show and they wanted to do a, uh, uh, a circus. And I spent the whole weekend drawing it. It was, it was like, uh, God, it was like 48 costumes or something. And I came in Monday and Victor had bailed. The sketches were never used. And, oh. uh, uh, you know, so m Monday, once I learned what it was, I, I had to quick do some fabric looking at and, and shopping and then draw. And, and then the sketches, most of the stuff had to be in the next day to the, uh, uh, to the producers and sometimes the stars, uh, you know, if, if they wanted to, you know, they always wanted to see what they were wearing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, it was like being shot out of a cannon every week. And they're but creating these that. costumes and, off your designs in a, within a week, all these things yeah. are created each week. Like, yeah. so, Oh my gosh. It was, thank God, you know, we had Elizabeth Courtney, Joe Cotroneo did all my men's stuff. Uh, if, if I had something that was really weird, like foam or something, I'd take it to Kelly Kimball out at NBC or have uh, J&M costumes do it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, and the, the thing that seems unreal to me even now is I was drawing Jubilee at the same time. Oh, oh my gosh. I, wow. I was, wow. but I wow. only had to see Don uh, every other week, I think, was the deal we made. We're going to come I, back um, to this one. We're going to come back to production shows because I have more questions there. Oh, so, okay. Okay, so you already alluded to cruise ships, but I know besides the ice show, you also have done like their floor shows, right? On cruise ships? Yeah. Or was it just ice? Okay, so you were also- No, I've, which done, cruise I've done everything. I, and, and I worked for, uh, originally, uh, Bob and I both designed for Princess. And sometimes we designed separately. And sometimes we'd split a show and uh, Bob would say, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the Vegas se section and you do the pirate section. Okay. And we'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What colors are you using? 
And so we did some stuff together and some stuff alone. And then I was hired to do a, a princess. And I did princess for almost 10 years. And uh, at the same time, uh, Willie Betak had, had started. He had done one ice show on uh, Royal Caribbean. And there had been a, a, a problem with the designer. And uh, so he called me to do the, se the second show. And they had had a problem with the clothes too. The clothes were not holding up. Uh, so I, I started doing my 15 shows for Willie. And that was great because it was, it was uh, the best people. It was, it, it, Willie is fabulous to work with, so easy. And it was Bob Rang uh, and the choreographers were uh, Will, Willie's wife, Kathy Steele Bitak, who was a fabulous skater. And, and my friend, Sarah Karahawa, and who's fabulous to work with. I mean, it's like playing with one of your best friends, oh, really. That, yeah, it sounds like this could be so stressful, but if you're having so much fun. No, it never was. Uh, it never uh. was. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and Sarah comes up with some really out there ideas. I mean, some really freaky stuff. And then, you know, I always tried to make it work, but we very often, I would say, let me build a prototype or, or just a model. Uh, like I remember we did the ugly duckling and I had to dress ice skaters as ducks and which is kind of unwieldy. <laughs> and then they, you know, they don't have hands, they have wings. And, uh, uh, so I built a, a prototype just out of foam and, and Sarah skated it with another skater and me at a rink. I very often did that with ice to see how something moved, you oh, know, and, yes. and, and also to show the choreographer, you know, what the parameters are, because maybe I thought of something the choreographer hadn't thought about, you know. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So it's it, but it got it was so much fun. I uh, mm. that's the one thing that I really miss. Not necessarily making the clothes, but working with the people, working with the people in mm. shops, and working with choreographers. And uh, because sometimes uh, I I I, I uh, designed for Shirley MacLaine for thirty five years. I did all of her TV specials and all of her nightclub acts. And the only other person that lasted that long was Alan Johnson, the choreographer. And Alan knew how fast I worked. So sometimes Alan would say to me, uh, don't draw anything on Sweet Georgia Brown until I get it on its feet and you can see it. And uh, oh. I'd, I'd say, okay. And he'd, he'd he'd get it so they could perform it even if they only had to perform it in pieces because they couldn't breathe halfway through the the number yeah and, and then they surely and the kids would do it for me and then i'd go home and draw something that night and bring it in and show shirley and show alan and show whoever was producing that that month and uh, and then i'd make the clothes well then i'd have four days to make the stuff you know but I, I was used to doing that because of TV variety. 
but the, I was not always the favorite kid in, in the shop, you know, <laughs> because sometimes I'd, I'd have to do a breakaway outfit for Shirley. And I, I remember the, the French lady who made it said something to somebody else the day we shipped the stuff out. She said something in French. And I turned to Paulette and I said, what did Emily just say to you in French? And she said, she said, we don't, she said, we don't, because the only word I could understand was uh, avion, a plane. And uh, I, I said, what did, what did Paulette, what did M, M say to you? And, and she said, we don't make costumes here. We make airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> but they always got it done and they always got it done beautifully. Well, they say we were building the airplane while you're flying it. That expression, like it's, yeah. it's taken off and you're trying to catch up to it. Yeah. Okay, so I know yeah. you've done Rockettes, which is probably its own category. Yeah. And now what, what TV specials did you do? Well, speaking of Rockettes, what that is a category. Uh, it's its own kick line. That's kick line. So that involves bluebells as well. Yeah. 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 Oh. I love doing, I love doing kick lines. And I admire the women so much because kick line takes a whole different discipline for a dancer. You have to be a very giving uh, dancer to, to perform well in a kick line. You can't be a show off. Yeah. You can't, you know, if you can kiss your knee every time you kick, you can't do that because that's not the way a kick line's choreographed. Yeah. You know, so you can't dance out more than everybody else. You have to do it precisely the way the choreographer wants it done. And that's, sure, what, that's what makes a kick line look so fabulous, you know, but it takes a, it takes a great deal of discipline and, and training and training. You have to be really well-trained to, uh, to do that. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it, it, I think it takes a different mindset too. You know, what I'm thinking is you're just as a designer too, because you need uniformity, like our finale numbers in the, in the bluebell shows, we all had a similar palette and a certain thing, but they were all different from each other. But when you're doing like the kick line thing and everything has to match exactly. I'm not sure if that's easier or harder or makes well, a difference. It's harder in a way because addressing uh, it, uh, it is very difficult because a lot of girls, not a lot of girls, and I shouldn't say girls, I should say women. Shirley MacLaine taught me that a hundred years ago. <laughs> she would always correct me. It was like Pavlov's dogs. I'd say the girl <laughs> dancers and Shirley would say the female dancers, the women dancers. And, uh, Anyway, the, the thing is, is if you want a girl's hat tilted over her left eye and, and that's what you've drawn and to make them all look exactly alike, they all have to wear the hat like that. Well, a lot of women won't. Mm. Or all of a sudden they've got the bangs of death, you know, <laughs> you don't see their forehead, yeah. you know. And they, and, you know, and like a and hairline so, matters. Yeah. When you're, oh. when you're, when you're clean a show, uh, uh, when they're, when they're performing and running through stuff, you know, you have to sit there. I, I always try to do it with the Rockettes, uh, with, uh, one of the, uh, assistant choreographers, because man, 
when they're in the wooden soldier outfits, if somebody's pants are too short, you know, you look at the girl and she's got red dots on her cheeks and her cap is pulled down so you can't see her eyes. You know, good yeah. luck. Which, and which then girl they, is that? they change and they change position all the time. So if a girl is the th third girl stage left uh, on on marching out, by the time they get to doll turns, she's she's someplace else on stage. So I always needed help, a, a mm. lot of help, you know, just yeah. just to clean it. So that's very difficult. And and again, that part of that is the discipline of the women. You know, are they all really paying attention and and doing the same thing with their hair and doing the same thing with their hats? Uh, mm, and they it's don't a whole always, different. Reason. They don't always, you know, you some girl will you know, maybe want to wear her hat on the other side one that one evening. And it's rebel. It's, that's that's very that's very difficult when when they're all dressed similarly, which I'm pretty good at doing. Uh, and then it doesn't matter. Then you want you want variation. You want mm. them to be either color controlled or or line controlled or something. But but then then they can all be individuals. And that's. Oh. That's how I like to dress dancers in, in numbers. Mm. Okay. So you haven't, you probably have not done dog shows or cat shows, right? None of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but dog. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. If, if, if I dressed a dachshund, <laughs> they, they'd look taller and thinner and I'd get more dog work. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause I think I, I don't want to just guess he hasn't, he might have, um, no, no. Have you done any? Has anything been on an awards show? Have you had anything? Oh yeah, I've okay. done the Academy Awards seven times. Oh I've done gosh. nine Emmy Awards. Uh, I've done People's Choice Awards. I've got you know for production numbers or for the stars, the production presenters? numbers, production well, numbers. Okay. Well, sometimes the sometimes for Whoopi and for the dancers and for the models and for the girls who carry the the Oscars out and you know. Yeah. Oh my God. I could just ask yeah. anything. Uh, commercials? Yeah. A lot of commercials. A lot of commercials. A lot oh of commercials. Gosh. And they're the hardest to do in the world. The hardest commercial I ever did was one of my first was for Burger King. And I designed the King. And I had to have a little boy that worked with the King. I drew that rotten little boy maybe 18 <laughs> times. You know, oh, well, I don't like his striped T-shirt. You know, should he have a T-shirt with a cartoon character on it? And then you get into a royalty problem, you know. But if you're in a room with a lot of people who are doing advertising, they all, it's like dogs peeing, you know, in a fire hydrant. They all have to make their mark. And they all have something to say about it. Oh, wow. It's like a lot of egos in the room. It is. Yeah, it is murder. And, you know, yeah. something as simple as a little boy in jeans and a T-shirt. Come on. You know, you should be able to crack that out right away. And, you know, how, wow. how you know, it it's uh, commercials are, are a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, I, 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 di I did a lot of them, but. Uh, it was not my favorite thing to do. Yeah, that's interesting to hear, like how 
who you work for, how you work, how fast. Did you do any movies? Uh, the only, uh, well, I've ghosted a couple of movies and not, not gotten credit for it. And I did that like four times for, for a, a production company. And, uh, uh, and one of them was one of the Conan things. And uh, I never got, I got paid very well, but I never got credit. They always had to have the first person that was hired. And finally, they called me. There was a movie called He-Man. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of a space thing. And they got two, two uh, weeks away from shooting it. And they decided they, they hated a couple of things. One was the Skeletor costume. And another one was some ladies' clothes in it. So I had a meeting with them. And when they showed me the Skeletor stuff, you know, I, I said, I, I don't have time to do that. You know, that's going to involve uh, partially, partial makeup pieces on his face. And I said, I don't think I could get that done in two weeks. And, and so I passed on it. But uh, mm. the, 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 only, uh, the only movie that still had, and again, it, it's, I was called in to replace somebody. They were doing a movie called Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And they had had a young lady design it. And at the end of it, the, the, the blow off at the end is Elvira gets to have her own Vegas act. And uh, a friend of mine was producing at Joel Therm and Joel called me and he said, we saw the sketches and they're not good. And would, would you design it? And I said, well, when do you shoot? And he said, in five days. And I said, well, is there anything she designed that you can use? And he said, no, nothing. So I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to design a nightclub act for Vegas. And I said, are are you available tomorrow, Monday? Uh, And Cassandra, is everybody available to take a look at what I do? And and see if it's what they want, you know, cause I, I, I had, they didn't tell me anything. And, and so that was about four in the afternoon. And I just, I just sat down and I drew all night. And, uh, I drew her with a giant spider headdress, uh, on a, on a, in a big spider web with muscle guys trapped in it. I drew her uh, with uh, uh, wrappers uh, in in a in a car that was all skulls and bones and stuff. Uh, I drew her with tarantulas crawling on her, and uh, I I did I did probably five or six sketches for her, different versions of things and things that could be put together differently, and and I came in and. And it was Cassandra, who plays Elvira, and Pat Birch, and Joel Thurm, who was the producer. And, uh, and I did my dog and pony show. And they said, it looks great. Do it. Oh, I've seen those sketches. 
I've seen some yeah. photos. Was oh, she a yeah. dancer? Was she a showgirl? For some reason, I thought she, she was, was a sh- showgirl at the Lido. I tried to, I reached out to her on Facebook. I want to interview her because I go, I think she was a showgirl. She was. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Do you have any and connections? <laughs> and she's beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah. And if you, interv- if you, if you talk to her, please give her my love. I just reached out and she accepted my friendship, which I think is, you know, like, yes, yes. To everybody who asked, like, I would love to hear her story because it's okay. So now this leads me to the next one, which made, she made me think of it. Rock bands, specifically end of seventies. There's a particular one that I want to get to kiss. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, you know, the kiss thing happened very strangely. Uh, uh, Cher was going with Gene Simmons, who was the lead singer, I think, of of, of Kiss. And uh, they'd been seeing each other for, I guess, about a year. And uh, Gene was getting ready to do what was going to be their farewell tour. It was called the Dynasty Tour. And... Uh, uh, And Cher wanted Bob to design it. And so they met with Bob and and Bob didn't want to do it. And Bob, I had just done Hello, Hollywood, Hello. And I'd done the space number, which, you know, had the underground with the monsters and everything. And and Bob said to Gene, you know, there's a a designer named Pete Menefee and he just did a, a... a show for the MGM Grand in Reno. And he did a really freaky uh, space number. And you should take a look at that because I think he'd do a great job for you. And Gene and Cher flew up and looked at the show and loved it and came back. And Bob and I shared the same manager, Phyllis Rabb. And Phyllis called me and she said, I have an offer for you to design a tour for Kiss. And Nobody had ever said, Bob never said anything to me about it. I know, I didn't hear boo. All of a sudden I heard I was doing kiss. And uh, so, <laughs> so I had a meeting with Gene and he gave me a video because I'd never seen their concerts. You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know their music, which didn't matter, but I knew what they looked like. Uh, and he gave me a, he gave me a video of the concert. And so I was playing it here at home and looking at it. And at one point, I mean, the concert was really weird. At one point, Gene bit into a blood bag and spit blood on the kids in the front of the audience. Oh. And I was looking at that section and my partner, Tom Hatton walked in and he looked at the TV and went, oh, Jesus Christ, what's what's that? And I said, that's my new gig. Isn't that fun? <laughs> uh, this is different and, from parochial school. Uh, it's way different <laughs> from parochial school. Oh, my God. Oh, my. I had blo- May the blood be with right you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so then I, I did some I did sketches. And uh, Gene at that point lived uh, in Westwood in one of those big, expensive apartment buildings. And so I took my sketches and we made an appointment and I took my sketches and, and you had to get an okay from the manager to go up to his floor or wherever his apartment was. And so I told the manager, I'm Pete Menefee, I'm here to see Gene Simmons. And uh, 
they took me over to the elevator and took me up. And I walked in. And the first thing Gene said to me was, did you walk through the, the foyer with those sketches under your arm? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, don't ever do that again. Nobody knows who we are, who I am. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, so uh, I, w- I went through the things. And I, I basically, I mean, I didn't change their makeup. All I did was, and I kept their, their, their costumes mostly kind of the way they look, but I added a lot of color and, and they were all, they were all done differently. I wanted to make them look like kids toys because I know that merchandising was one Mm. of the, was one of the big deals. And they did merchandise uh, little dolls that were dressed in my designs, which I I did not get paid for. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. No. When they own it, when you sell it to them, they own it. It's like Radio City. You oh, know, really? okay. they've done Forever. they've done Barbies that were my Rockhead costumes. And uh, I mean, they sent me a Barbie and then I give them to uh, to my friend's little girls <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, they, wow. and they cut the hair on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know. My, yeah, my daughter had a Rockette Barbie. She had, like, we were the collecting, and then she went through a phase where it's not cool to like Barbies and cut their hair. I'm like, now she's like, yeah. oh, I wish I had not done that. I kind of wish I had that fix, collector Barbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've done everything but dog shows, cat shows, and child pageants, basically. <laughs> everything yeah. else you've yeah, done. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do anything for a buck. But it's so, it's amazing. You could fit that in all in like you said you were doing two things at once because jubilee looked like a oh, wait huge a minute. you didn't do you didn't do magicians oh pete have you done designs for magicians yeah, yeah a lot <laughs> really a lot yeah i know i know how all the tricks are done and i've always had to sign a a non-disclosure agreement but it yeah. makes me laugh because uh azura the floating lady everybody does everybody yeah. knows how that rotten thing is done and i found a new way to do it for Siegfried and Roy. So she looked like she was nude because usually the dress hides the rig. Yeah. And, and I did it. So she had a, 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 a nude leotard that was all jeweled. And then on her downstage side, on her right side, I had fringe. I hung fringes that obliterated, oh. obliterated the way the flatness the of how the, the, the tricks done, but I've done Siegfried and Roy. I mean, my I've 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 done Mark. I can't think of Mark's last name. Uh, I, I've done uh, an, another another girl who's called the Enchantress, and she was one of the first magicians I did, and I had I had to do her. I really had to because she did a sleight of hand act. She made records appear and they, they were 78s. I mean, nobody is really going to, this is how long ago I did it. They were 78s and 45s. How long, how long? Is that I know been? that. I yeah. <laughs> and then, and then she made, made little tiny ones that were like uh, maybe three or four inches around circles. And she just kept throwing them, you know, out of the air. But at the end of it, she brought out a gramophone. She made a gramophone appear and a dog. 
that looked like the the black and white dog. Victrola. You, or Meg yeah, I like the Victrola <laughs> ad. You know I wanted to know where that dog was going to live. Wow. Oh, man. Okay, okay so have you I done ventriloquist or puppets? I, yeah, I, and I saw her years ago, and uh, she said, you know, I used that dress until I retired. That you made? Yeah. Was the dog in the dress, under the dress? You yeah. Can't give it away. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So was wow. the Victrola. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's <laughs> Here I am crazy. birthing a dog, birthing a it's patrol. Crazy. And then I and know then, you did and then, and then you haven't done puppets too. I've done Okay, I was jo- I was joking, but have you done ventriloquist or puppets? And you have. No, I have. Really? For, oh yeah, a lot. Oh my gosh. A lot. I can't even if I'm even trying to be funny or something. No, he probably did it. Yeah. Uh, I like to try done. everything. I mean, everything's, everything's a challenge and fun and, and you learn something every time you learn Pres- something. Presidential debate. No. Uh, <laughs> let me think. No, I don't think no. so. Okay. We can, we have except I work, haven't... I work for Donald Trump. With this universe or Miss America? Or... Uh, it was a universe, but before that, uh, Merv Griffin had hired me to do the uniforms for Taj Mahal in Atlantic City because I had done uniforms for Disney before. And uh, um, uh, and my my it was a great job. My manager called me and she said, uh, uh, Merv called and he wants you to do the uh, uniforms for Taj. And I said, he doesn't want the, me to do the uniforms. All he wants are the Tootsies. He wants the bar servers and, you know, cigarette girls and stuff like that. And she said, I don't know what to tell him. I said, tell him by the sketch, give him my, my fee, which was stiff. And I'm probably going to do five, five uniforms for women. And I'm sure that's all he wants. Well, I worked for a year and a half on it. I did every restaurant I did. I, I did everything. I even that one of the first things after I after I had done the Tootsies is they have uh, bus greeters who go out and greet the buses and, and give the people buckets of, of change to put in the slot machines. And I had to do the winter, a male a winter a, a bus greeter and, and a, a, a female winter bus greeter and then i had to do a summer uh, a, a a warm weather uh bus greeter male and female i did everything i did bus boys i did i made a fortune on it i really did and wow. then and 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 merv uh for a year and a half once a month merv would i'd fly back to philly and then merv would send a helicopter for me and they'd helicopter me into atlantic city and uh, then I'd have my meeting with Merv and we'd have dinner and he'd put me up in the presidential suite. It was really great. And that went on for a year and a half. Then he called me one day and he said, uh, I have some news for you and there's someone I want you to meet. And he said, I'm selling the Taj to Donald Trump and uh, I, I want you to fly out this weekend and meet him and his wife, Ivana. And I said, okay. And he said, just one thing. He said, don't extend your hand to shake his. He's a germaphobe. Hmm. 
And so that was the first time I met Donald. And then when he when he bought Universe or bought into it, he only owned 40%. CBS owned the rest. He didn't really own, own it, but his company ran it. And what the first thing he did when, when he, he did own part of it was fire everybody on staff except me and, and replaced all of them with women. You know, oh. and I thought that was a great idea because there was a lot of messing around on universe. Mm. It was, mm. it was, uh, it was shocking to me. Uh, somebody, I was talking to somebody about it during my first year. And I said, you know, it, it's like being dropped into a bag of minks. You know, everybody's, Ooh. everybody's banging everybody else. It's crazy. And so when Donald, when Donald uh, said all, all of the, staff are going to be women, uh, the comptroller, the president, the vice president, they were all women. And we had a West Coast version and an East Coast version because I was working in California and uh, out of out of their their offices here. And Donald had offices in New York. And uh, it, it was interesting because Almost to a person, the women were really mean, really mm. mean. And one of them, the first first show I did with all of these women is uh, was Miss Universe in Hawaii. And Kelly, who was giving up the crown, that's why it was in Hawaii. And uh, they were shooting a commercial uh, with uh, with Kelly by the pool at the hotel and there were there were civilians all around and you know our, our camera crew and uh, but a lot of people staying at the hotel and i was i was a little ways away and i was with my two female assistants bonnie and lisa and and the uh, chaperones and the uh the comptroller started running toward me, screaming my name. And I said, uh, what, what's up? And she said, I want you to go over to that pool and straighten that. And she used a word that starts with C that I do mm. not use mm. uh, mm -hmm. out. I want you to straighten that out. And uh, I, I, had never, I had never heard a woman say that. I had heard gay guys call each other that, but yeah. I had never, I had never heard a woman say it. And she said it in front of my two assistants and all of the chaperones, you know, and apparently she had said it at poolside too. Cause when I got there, Kelly was hysterical crying. And uh, I took her up to her room and all, all they wanted was they wanted her in a skimpier swimsuit. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I don't know if she didn't want to do it or what, but we, we found a swimsuit that worked and, but it took me, it took me 40 minutes to talk her down wow. and uh, yeah, it was terrible, terrible. Mm. It was, uh, it, it was, it was just really awful. And, and I quit. I, I took the, I, I took the, the lady aside 
who had said that. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll finish the show here, but I'm, I'm not going to do the show anymore. I won't do it. I'm, I'm not going to work under the, under conditions where women talk to each other like that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. And she said, no, she said, the president is going to be so pissed at you. She met the president of, of uh, Miss Universe, who was another lady. And I said, I, I don't care. I'm not, I'll finish the show. I'm a professional, but I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to do it anymore. And I said, and I'll tell you one more thing. If you use language like that to either of my assistants, I'm going to put the three of us on a plane and we're going to leave right away. I wow. don't want, I don't want people spoken to like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then the president came and it was so funny because she came and our, our, our uh, producer, Sid, had a, a terrific uh, assistant named Bonnie that we all loved. And the president came in and she started screaming at Bonnie. And it was an open office. I mean, everybody heard what she said. And she was cursing, you know. And, and then when she was done, she grabbed me by the arm and we took me outside and said, you can't quit. I said, I quit. I quit four days ago. And, uh, I, and she said, why did you quit? I said, did you look at anybody's face while you were screaming at Bonnie? That whole office hates you. Mm. You know, you do, that's not the way you treat people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I told her what had happened by the pool with Kelly. And, uh, and I quit. Mm. <laughs> and then five years later, they hired me back at a big increase in salary. <laughs> That's Was... the kind of hoe I am. <laughs> did they, did they uh, treat each other better at that? Or is it just, they knew the women had all been fired. The women had all been fired. Okay. That was the only reason I came back. And yeah. then three years later, I quit for good. And that, I mean, had sounds... more, that had more to do with uh, Mr. Trump than, than yeah. it had to do with any, anything else on the show. I have a couple, I know a dancer who was part of, I don't, wasn't Miss USA. She's part of one of the pet. I think there's a younger one or. There's a Miss Teen USA. It, she was Miss, she was in the Miss Teen and said that he would just walk backstage when they were undressed and just stand he in the did. dressing room. He did. And so he she did. was like, that's just gross. The, to on, on, on the first Miss America, no, Miss America, Miss USA. We were doing it in, in Vegas. And the only people that went in, in the girls' dressing room were me or, or our doctor, Hank, if there was an emergency. Mm -hmm. And we always let the girls know ahead, you know. So if, if anybody needed to cover up, they knew that Hank was coming in or I was coming in to fix a zipper or something. And, and we always had a security guy outside. And they were, they were told that nobody went in there except Hank or me and that we would knock first and make sure with the chaperones yeah. that everything was decent. And so the show was over. Uh, uh, the Miss USA pageant had, had finished. And I was, I was packing out with Lisa and Bonnie. <laughs> and Donald walked by and he said, Pete, where's the girls' dressing room? 
And I said, oh, it's, it's down the hall where the guard is. But I said, you know, Donald, um, nobody's allowed in it uh, except Dr. Hank and me. And he went, oh, yeah? And he walked down. The guard held the door open for him. Oh, yeah. A little preview there. You know? And, I and it grossed me out that it was the teens. Like, it was, it's bad enough yeah, as the women that well, when it was the it, teens. Yeah. And teen, teen is really, really terrible. Really? But, you know, on the other hand, there were, there were women who were ready to become the next Mrs. Trump if they had right. been asked. Yeah. You know, it worked, but it worked both ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was terrible behavior, but it did work both ways. In fact, after Donald had gone in the in the girls dressing room on USA that time in Vegas, uh, about half an hour, 45 minutes went by. And one of the women, uh, the one of the women uh, came by me in wardrobe and she said, have you seen Donald? She was looking for him. Oh, really? Yeah. And the same woman, Kelly, who was asked to go to Mar-a-Lago and do the hula for for Donald's birthday one year, the same year, that same year. And uh, and and Kelly was just giving up her crown that year. And so he asked her to come and and she was a hula professional hula dancer. So he asked her to come and do it. I talked to her after she got back and she said, guess who was sitting next to Donald in the audience? It was the girl who had asked me where Donald was. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's lots of games of yeah. getting ahead. So, and, oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, it's crazy. Maybe that counts as dog and pony show. Maybe that's, where that category goes. I don't yeah. know what that would be. Um, okay, so I have a stack of books. I've got so many from Bluebells that have written their autobiographies, but I have uh, another one. It's got the new Lido book. It's got Erte. It's got Bob Mackey's new one. I need a Pete Menifee book. And I know people keep saying, Pete, I don't know if it's too much work. You, your sketches, I know you've donated some to the li- library, to UNLV. Is yeah. that even a thought to have? Because no, I would love no. to have a collection. I'm, I'm you know, First of all, I, I don't think I, I don't think it would sell. You know, I've mm-hmm. got to be perfectly frank about that. I think uh, I, 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 I know I have an audience, but it's a niche audience. Yeah. And uh, uh, and a, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the sketches are in museums or have been sold to collectors. And, uh, I, you know, I, I I'm just I'm really not interested in it. Yeah. I always, I always tell people everybody has to die first before I write about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says like not the... really the truth. The truth is, is that I'm, I'm not really interested in doing it. And I do uh, love that you do the interviews because it's also besides the sketches, getting to know who the man is that did the sketches, nah. like just to hear like your upbringing and, and how vast because your, your resume is amazing but also you as a person are very very interesting not just because uh, you've got like a 20 page resume and so uh, i'll have your little bit in my book which is also niche and it will probably only be in our little bluebell world of people that buy it when it finally comes out but i love that your story's in there because you know there's mostly dancers there's some singers but there's 
Bob Rang is production. And so I have, I wanted to get a little bit of everything to represent this, yeah, this world sure. of how things that we had no idea were going on that made it so beautiful. And then to hear now and go, wow, these are Pete Menifee had quite a career besides yeah. just draw, doing this for us. So, well, it's so, it's so funny. And that's one of the reasons I've been posting a lot of stuff on Facebook is, is I've worked with a lot of people uh, like you. And uh, even, even if you didn't know who I was and we, we had never met, but people who you work for in, in some capacity, like the ice shows, for instance, think I only did ice shows. They have yeah, no idea, or, yeah. you know, and, and people keep writing me and saying, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't know you did those clothes. Like like the Charlie's Angels time cover. Oh, that was the one I was going to bring that up. Yeah, because I saw that because I was a big fan of that and how I always loved that they all had a different look. Like all three of them, like yeah. in that picture, was that Time Magazine that they were in the Time? Yeah, you're on the cover of Time, time magazine. magazine. It was my first Time Magazine cover. I loved it. I I have that framed in my den. That's a good one. Yeah, because I remember that was, and also I think how Bob Mackey did that. There's with Raquel Welch, who just died of her and shared together how it's a similar thing, but different, which but makes different, it, yeah, but different. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the Charlie's Angels. Like, if I ever did a thing, I'd want like, everybody to have, you know, it was the halter, and the, they just, I love that, that they had a similar but different thing. So, yeah, you can, you can, uh, you, you can make it look uniform, but have the detail be different. Yeah. And I and I like I like to work that way. I don't have a, a problem doing it at all. I enjoy I enjoy doing that. How are those three ladies variations you can you can crank yeah. out? If there was 12 Charlie's Angels, you could have you could have easily. <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> have been a problem. Dozen, I'll, be I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what is kind of a problem, though, when you're designing is if you have 48 showgirls. You know, the first 12 are really easy. And the second 12, you know, you know what to avoid. The yeah. third 12, you're in uh, kind, yeah. of, kind of desperate shape. And the fourth 12 is like pulling it out of your ass. You know, yeah. I have to get all the sketches lined up across the wall because by then, you know, you could draw something that you've already drawn. Yeah. And, and wow. It's, yeah. it's, that's 48 is really hard. You know. And hello, to, Hollywood. You did our finale or circus. I think there might have been 12 nudes in that one. No, because we were up on the, the pastoral. Yeah, there was a lot of us on there, but I know that there was maybe three capes and then there was different. Backpacks yeah, and backpacks they, and yeah, a lot of feathers. It was the first time I worked with Maison Favrier in uh, in in Paris, and uh, it was a real lesson. And I got I got better at it when I did Jubilee because I had it under my belt once. Uh, yeah, but feathers, uh, that's my favorite word I've learned during the podcast is plumasier. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know I needed that word in my life. And then when I was in Paris, one of the dancers took me to uh, Plumes de Paris. Yet. I think it was Plumes de Paris, which are the ones. It's um, oh, oh gosh, I had his name and I lost it again. 
but he like did Joseph his mother or grandmother done Josephine Baker's feather. So I know like they're they probably the two. I think things have switched over family wise. But I just learned so much about feathers, and I'm like I. Yeah, yeah I just a, that's my favorite word a, is plumas here. <laughs> it's a it's a whole thing, and you know the interesting thing is I don't speak French. I speak a couple of other languages, but French French is not one of them, and so I I had to. I had to start learning all of the jewelry and feather French. And uh, Bluebell always had uh, a translator for me to work with the people uh, uh, to make sure that, you know, I, I got exactly what I wanted and everything. And uh, uh, so eventually, you know, I learned uh, Boucle de Ré is earring and Soutien Gorge is brassier and you know, I, I learned all that. And then I learned my colors in, in French <clears throat> and shapes. Saboul, I want it round. Uh, and, I, and I remember one of the last times I was there and I had Sylvia with me, who was one of our principal uh, uh, dancers in, uh, in Jubilee. Uh, she, she very often, Bluebell would send her with me. Mm. And... Uh, uh, I wanted uh, a twisted ostrich. I twisted a vulture. And uh, I, I said to Sylvia, tell them that the muff is all black twisted vulture. And so she said something to them and they didn't understand her. And she tried to, I, I said, it's, it's twisted, twisted vulture. And she tried again and they didn't understand. And I thought, oh, shit. And I said, the Voltaire Fremonté, Twisted Vulture. And, and the lady went, oh, d'accord, d'accord. <laughs> you know, it's, so, it's so funny. I can't, I can't order food, which is <laughs> terrible to be in Paris and, you know, not be able to say green beans. But I can tell someone how to twist vulture feathers okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so good yeah. this is this is my special well, so many people can speak french for food not that many people can explain how they want their feathers done <laughs> this yeah, has been wonderful this uh, has been so good and i know we're gonna have to do part seven eight nine um because nope. i was just going okay i just want to ask like what have you not done but i still we still didn't get to into dawn art because i feel like there's more after especially talking to bob rang that i want to oh, ask but we'll save we'll save that for another one yeah. Um, but thank you for doing this. And you're um, welcome. You're welcome. Keep, it's always, I love that you're it's gardening. always fun. Yeah. You just have, it's just, it's, it's not just your resume, but I love the whole, I'm just in my mind thinking of you gardening at a young age and just that, you know, that rich soil to grow your creativity in and be like, yeah, that yeah. The, the possibilities are never done that you can always just keep making more and more things. Can you, can you say goodbye in French? Au revoir. Au revoir, Voltaire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think bye, I said bye. that totally Stay wrong. To you again, Thank Sharon. you so much, Pete. Bye, darling.